Loki demon. The anti-life entity senses our intentions. It knows we've come to make it dark side slave. It will resist, but we have the power. This day is ours. Let the battle begin. Cosmic Odyssey. Written by Jim Starlin. Art by Mike Magnolia. beginning there was nothing then there were comic books once you enter our world there is no escape comic exposure begins in three two one welcome to the comic exposure podcast my name is josh buckley and with me, as always, is my own personal Justice League. My new god's name is Mr. Mantis, but you can call <laughs> me Travis Ratz here. And Travis Ratz and I bringing you the podcast that you so crave in these crazy times. We know that if it weren't for Travis and I diving deep into comic books, you might be losing your sanity during quarantine. Because what random books, what random comic tomes would you know to dive into if it weren't for Travis and I? And on the podcast today, Travis and I are doing a weird one, if I may say so. Travis and I are reading DC's Cosmic Odyssey. Cosmic Odyssey written by Jim Starlin with art by Mike Mignola. Carlos Garzon as an inker, Steve Olaf as the artist, and John Workman as the letterer now starlin and mignola a quality comic book team but very a strange mashup because this is old mignola this is 19 i don't know 1988 i have the actual original editions so i have first prints of cosmic odyssey that i read this the single issues the four single issues the four single issues of Cosmic Odyssey. Why do you have those? Why wouldn't I have them, Travis? <laughs> when you're Wait, at a comic... Is this, is this why we did this on the podcast? Because you had to justify that purchase? <laughs> oh, the, I read this long ago. And I just made you read it with me. Uh, because I was at a comic shop. And you know that I love to dig through trades. And this isn't quite a trade. But this is that weird period of time when DC and and Marvel were putting out small graphic novels or they do sort of stories that were in short pieces, right? Like maybe three or four issues, but they wouldn't do them in, they wouldn't do them in like four floppies, right? They wanted them to be prestige editions. So this is that, this is that prestige edition. And I love them because it's like the little, it's the slightly thicker cardboard cover. I I, I, re- happy. I really respect that of what DC was doing, especially in those the 80s. Marvel did it yeah. a little bit, but I think one of the things that we 
we have a hard time when it comes to deciphering like great Marvel runs is because great Marvel runs are like hidden in like longer runs. Yeah. You know if that makes yeah. sense? So it's like, oh, you know, um, Jim Lee's X-Men for like three years, but there's like 12 issues in there that are super solid, you know, right. that are like, but DC very, I, th- I feel like they have like Cosmic Odyssey and Dark Knight Returns and these kind of boutique offset Right, books, more of them. Marvel does it. Like we, I mean, we, you know, so we like that Daredevil, Sinkevich Daredevil one, and and a couple of a, those. Yeah, I have a ton of those '80s Marvel graphic novels, but they were very much like a one-off book. Right, right. Like here's your one story about this, and it was maybe forty-four pages. What you're getting with Starling and Magnola on this is probably. I want to guess that this is probably. I don't know. I don't have it. Their pages aren't numbered, but it's it's probably maybe one and a half comic books. So it's probably about 35, 40 pages would be my guess if you go back in the day of what a full comic was for each one. Uh, And there's four of them. And it's a story that they're telling. It's self-encompassed. It's four books. And really, Travis and I, as you know, we've been trying to like fill in the gaps of, of our reading or talk about stuff on the podcast that we haven't talked about before. And we've never done a Justice League story. We've... We've never done a new God story. And so I thought... I don't think we've done like a DC team-up book. I think we've only done individual titles like Superman, like Red Sun and Green Arrow and a a, a ton of Batman. A boatload of Batman, yeah. And so I was like, you know, we were trying to figure out what to read and we said, well, let's see if we can find a Justice League book. And we run into that problem where Justice League doesn't have arcs that you would pull out justice league has like here's all the volumes of jla pick a volume right right there's there's not a lot of like here's this story that we took out that wasn't like crisis on infinite earths or something like that right and so um travis and i were were digging and this is one of those stories that's been you know like oh this is an interesting story for the justice league so we thought we'd kill two birds with one stone we do justice league and the new gods in a mashup and it is a strange justice league right and it is a very small portion of the new gods so we get a little a little sprinkle of each of these and we get dark side being a quasi good guy right right so Let's talk about that uh, that Justice League aspect first, because I want yeah. I, I I need I I'm gonna need some time with the new gods. Uh, let's right. talk about Justice League first. I think you're right. It's it's the the thing with the Justice League. It's it's probably similar to the Avengers. Is that you have a kind of a core lineup. When we think of Justice League, we think of you know Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, uh, one of the various Aquaman. Green Lanterns, Flash. Right. Um, but, Flash and Aquaman. That's your justice. Yeah, Flash and, Aqu- and Aquaman. Yeah. Well, that's a lot. There's a lot of characters, ma- major characters in there. But it seems that very rarely do we get all those heavy hitters under one Justice League umbrella book. I'm sure, again, uh, this is showing my holes. I'm sure they're like, that's, you know, 70% of the Justice League books have all those characters in it. But I found in trying to look up Justice League books, it's like they sprinkle in a couple of those heavy hitters and then you get like Starfire or Booster Gold or, you know, uh, the Blue Beetle or something like that. Uh, And so it's weird. It feels like... uh, uh, DC has like a hard time of like we don't want to give them too much. It's like eating like a, a fast food feast. It's like okay, we're going to get right. McDonald's tonight. Well, can we get some Taco Bell too and some Pizza Hut? You're like, are you crazy? 
I, you just planned out my, like a night this week. I really, I just want to hit like five fast food places and be like, what? I got my fries from McDonald's. I got my, uh, my chalupa from, from Taco Bell. I got my, you know, like Red all these- from pizza Hut, and I got a big Mac right. from McDonald's, you know, that would, would it be too much? Is there, do you think they think that? Do you think the DC offices are like, listen, we got to spread out the, well, the cream of the crop here. I think that each of those characters has a standalone book. And so it's hard to fit their standalone stories into what the Justice League is doing. But what DC and Marvel both have is a shitload of C-list characters. Yeah. Right. And so you got They're never going to carry a standalone book. Right. Like, yeah. um, Or at least not for long. Right. You're not going to have a really long book. That's a uh, Hawk and Dove. Right. Like right. a a bizarre DC combo. You're not going to get a book that you're not going to get like a long standing dazzler book. Or right. Like, right. Well, you, right. You're not going to get the Etrigan book that, that, you know, it's like, you might get someone really wants to do that series and do something fun with them for like six or 12 issues, but that's it. Right? It's almost like that DC offices use JLA. They'll always throw in some of those C-list characters as a way to like, maybe boost up the collateral of that seedless character. Uh, so it's like, okay, um, we got to make a movie about him sometime, man. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to, you're going to have that McDonald's feast, but we're going to slide in a little vegan burger in there. And if you like it, great. Cause maybe we can really, we can pump that vegan burger up, but if you don't, right. it's okay because there's enough saturated fats and meats and, and mystery meats in right. here for you to be content. So the, the justice league that we're the part of the justice league that we're dealing a, with in a, this a spoonful of super, if you will, just yeah. a spoonful of super oh, helps the booster gold go down, go down. The exactly. gold go down. So in this, in this one, we get Batman, Superman, John Stewart, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter and Starfire. That's our justice league, right? Yeah. And the Teen like, Titans, so, the teen, this is when that Teen Titans series was super popular in the 80s, like 88. And so they're like, that's why we get Starfire. <laughs> right. We get, Starfire, we get scantily clad Starfire in this. Um, so that's that's the Justice League we get in this one. Martian Manhunter, heavy hitter on the Justice League. Like, yes. He's yes. Yeah. Um, like you need a Green Lantern. Jon Stewart was this is the 80s. So this is like when we're, we're tr- like we're trying different people out right guy gardner john stewart people got sick of hal jordan right here is the thing this book might have solidified the fact that like i'm constantly trying to find a way to like green lantern and i the more i read the more i hate the like i'm like i'm so i come in with such an open heart josh i want to power up my heart ring and love any of the green lanterns just one one of them and every time i'm like these are such bad characters. I don't like the Green Lanterns. It's also like, so we'll get into this when we get into yeah, the story. Yeah. But before we before we get there, I want to, I don't know. Do you want to talk story or do you want to do a little ancillary well, Justice we, League we, talk? We, we talked a little Justice League. We can continue that up. But I think, you know, we, we talked about why uh, Justice League, the kind of why DC maybe makes certain team ups with the Justice League and the powerhouse and, and why it's hard to find like the definitive Justice League story. Let's talk about these damn new gods. The new gods are batshit crazy, right? Like, look, you you steal Jack Kirby from Marvel, right? right. You steal him from the House of Ideas, and you go, hey, man, like, uh, make us whatever you want. And he's like, 
sure, man, I'm going to make my own world. So he creates the fourth world, which is, you know, the new gods. You've got Apocalypse and you've got New Genesis. No, no, no. Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were talking about people. These are the places. No, so you've got Apocalypse and New Genesis who are populated by the goodies and the baddies in, in his fourth world book, right? And then you've got all these other characters that he creates during this time. You know, you, Mr. Miracle and the guy on skis. I don't remember his name. And it literally is oh, Black Racer. Black Ski Racer. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, Black yeah. Racer. And, you know, you get like uh, all of these characters that come out of this because they want him to create new characters. Right. But because they're inhabiting a different world, they come with this sort of cosmic craziness that you get in Marvel, right? Because they're not from, they're not living on Earth. They live in another dimension or another place, right? Yeah. And so it's that same thing you get with like, you have this whole other world of... Watchmen. Well, not even Watchmen. You have this yeah. whole other world in Marvel where you've got all of your cosmic characters, right? Your your right. your Silver um, Surfer, Adam, your Guardians yeah, of the Sp- Galaxy, yeah. Your, yeah. your Adam Strange, right? All of that stuff lives over here. And then you get the same thing now in DC, right? But it all has this sort of biblical background to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, I love Kirby. So I've read some of that early New God stuff because, yeah, I have, I have, a, I have this first I, omnibus. I knew you I have, had read Mister Miracle, and that brings back a lot of these New God characters in a different way, in a very Tom right. King domestic way. But I didn't right. know you had read the original, some of the original New God stuff. Yeah, so I read uh, Kirby. There's a volume fourth, fourth world volume one, and it essentially takes all of the number. It takes like the first couple issues of all of his first books and shoves them into one thing together. Yeah. Um, so like I read that and it also has, it also has like Superman and the new gods, right? So Superman and Jimmy Olsen meets the new gods. So it's like you get a Jimmy Olsen, uh, Superman's pal in there, right? Boy. Oh God. I love old, like that is some of the best, most comic booky crap turtle, ever. Turtle, turtle is Jimmy Olsen Superman's pal. I love it. But I like that stuff. But that's I get how this is like just weird. Here uh, like is Dark my... Side works because yeah. he's the villain. Yeah. Right? And you don't need a ba- you just need a guy who wants to do bad stuff. Yeah. Here is my thought on the new gods. And with my little knowledge of it, I you know, I read like the first two episodes of that Tom King run, A Mr. Miracle. I've seen the new gods images since i was a kid this is probably the most amount of time that i've spent with like some of those core new god characters and here's the thing that i feel like can happen with publishing houses when it comes to giants like kirby because kirby is so kirby's the king right and so it's hard for us to maybe even suggest that he went and did this side project where he was the high commander and the the sole creative thing and maybe it's just not that good in its original form and we keep trying to find a way to make it work now it sounds like tom king might have found a way to make it work by the popularity of mr miracle but like this the cosmic odyssey it's weird because there is it does feel at times it's fun but it does feel like you feel like oh we're really trying to make the new gods work we're really trying to make it almost as a respect to kirby and all the other things he's done 
Right. I also think like you're creating a story where you go like, how do I combine the new gods and the Justice League together? So I have to find a reason for them to work together. I just can't do a new god story. I think they do in this too. I think it's it's good think. I think so. But you also get like the new gods that you're dealing with in this one are essentially um, you've got uh, Light Ray and... Uh, Dark side and the oh why can't I remember the father's name? It's really like father, the high something. priest or high father. High, father or yeah, like so, and then you get um, ambush bug. No, Light not Ray. ambush bug. Um, the forager. Forager. I'm thinking of ambush bug is someone who's with. I don't remember where that's from. Super Batman. Game like over, man. Game over. Game over, man. <laughs> uh, and and then you get uh, Metronon and. Um, why can't I remember the dude with a little jets pack? Why can't I? Orion, right? Orion. Yeah. You, get, you get Orion. So you get these characters, Orion being like the biggest of the new god group that's in there, right? Forger, the most recognizable. Uh, right. Forger's uh, other than Darkseid. Right. Yeah. Forger's pretty low key. Darkseid and Orion being the, the big heavy hitters in there. Um, and you get an interesting story, but I think you're essentially trying to like, here are two worlds Let's smoosh them together and see what we can do with it. Um, And I think like, here's the other problem. As a comic book reader, if you haven't read the new gods, you just know all about what do you like? Everybody knows about Superman, right? Everybody knows about Batman. So you don't need background on that. Green Lantern. Yeah. Okay. He has the ring. I get that. There's not enough time spent with Starfire. So whatever. Right. And like, I, you didn't need backstory with her and Martian Manhunter. You're like, okay, you kind of know about him, but yeah. the new gods, you're kind of like, if you haven't read that stuff, they kind of show up and disappear and come back and disappear and show yeah. up. You know, there's not a consistent pantheon of new God stories like there is for Batman and Superman. Right. And Green Lantern. Yeah. And so they, they can have a tendency not only through, uh, to feel more kind of like watered down vanilla versions of generic superheroes. Uh, right. But there is some stuff in here that I found interesting. We talked about the goodies and the baddies. I right. feel like the new gods walk that line. Like I couldn't tell. I'm like, I'm like, wait, is Orion good or is he a bad guy? Is so Orion. So here, let me tell you, Orion is actually dark sides uh, is actually dark side's son, but he, yeah. so early yeah. on they traded kids so Orion went to the darks, went and lived on New Genesis and Mr. Miracle, who is uh, like the, the high father's the other yeah, yeah. son, he goes and lives in Apocalypse. So there's this. Oh, see, I find that interesting. Yeah. So there is some really interesting stuff in that when you look at it. But. Those are very much it. It, it really ends up being like. That is, very Greek. Stuff. that is very Greek mythology. Like, uh, right. well, it's all sometimes, that sometimes Zeus is good, sometimes Zeus is bad. Sometimes Hera's a bitch, and sometimes she's a cunt. Um, that, uh, Those are two of the same things. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Hera is never good in Greek mythology. <laughs> so if you, if you think about it, like it would be like if you took all of Thor's world, and you're like, yeah. let's just slam it into what's going on right now right. with the rest of... With the rest of of Marvel, it's or that more, same sort of- more like taking Mask and jam- trying to make it relevant by jamming into GI Joe. 
You're like, you guys know G.I. Yeah. Joe. You know, like Duke and Shipwreck. But here's Mask, the thing that you've heard of. And we're going to make those relevant by putting them into G.I. Right. Joe. So here's what, here's what I want to know. As, as we're going through this, essentially, you know, to give a brief synopsis of the story, there is uh, the um, anti-life, anti-life equation. Anti-life has been found. Darkseid wants it. Metronon tries to stop it in his awesome i love metron he's such a weird character but in he tries to stop it but in the process he lets some of the anti-life come into our dimension and, and it those, takes the form of uh three or four four, four and four. They, they get spread out across the galaxy yeah in in our dimension and so you have the new the gods Milky Way new- galaxy Right. You have the new gods on New Genesis say like, hey, we need you guys to come help us. Dark side's going to help us. Let's put some teams together. Yep. And I don't understand why the anti-life created bombs and all these places. Yeah. But if you blow up parts of the Milky Way galaxy, the galaxy will collapse Mm -hmm. and it'll allow the anti-life to yeah. come through to our dimension. Right. So it is the most comic booky concept ever. Classic mix and mash them up. Right. There's a doomsday device in four places. We need to create teams, and they have to be one new god and one, like, other person. Except, except Green Lantern. Green team. Green squad. And John Johns, which I think is the worst matchup in the group. Yeah. Because you don't get the... You don't get the here's our new god and they have to deal with the superhero. Right. You get here are two characters who know each other. Right. Well, the the way the way the, the mix em ups were uh, a way to better discover the new god's characteristics by putting them against uh, a or putting them with a Justice League member that you're very familiar with. So we right. get to see, oh, Forager has a lot in common with Batman. They're both kind of like outsiders in their superhero world. Um, right. O- uh, uh, Orion is like Superman because he has this kind of ultimate power, but you see he morally he goes about it a different way. So it is it is a, a good trope in order to introduce new characters or not new characters to reintroduce lesser known characters to a mainstream audience. It's like, yeah, this person becomes blacker when it's next to white. This person becomes whiter when it's next to black. Right. And so their goal is to stop these doomsday devices and capture the pieces of anti-life. But in the background, Darkseid is actually trying to get the anti-life so that he can take over the world or the universe or however you want to do it, right? Classic so he's trying bad, to, classic villain. Right. I'm going to pretend to be, it's very Lex Luthor. I'm going to pretend yeah. to be good so that I can trick everybody and be bad in the end. Um, what do you think, which team up did you think worked the best? Um, I would say, off the top of my head, I would say Batman Forager. I, I would that, tell you, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. there are two tiers: Batman, Forager, Superman, Orion are your top tier matchups. Yeah, they they gave you the most good story. Yeah, there's a catharsis at the end of it. There's some sort of like, oh, this is the reason for you guys being together, right? Light Ray and Starfire, not much. It was a very small portion of the book, right? Green Lantern and John Johns, they dispatched that right away. 
and they're the first ones to fail. Right. Yeah. And that had some that that from what I There's understand has some lasting consequences in the DC universe. That event where uh, spoiler alert, uh, the Green Lantern is uh, choice is basically responsible for the death of a whole planet. That reverberates later, like in the '90s, where um, uh, John Stewart is. That's brought up again. Like, remember that time right. you were responsible for killing that whole planet in that million <laughs> giant uh, genocide because of uh, because of Starlin? Um, I think you're right. I think the two story and it makes sense because who are your heavy hitter DC characters in this book? Batman and Superman, yeah. right? And so those are the ones you get the most story on. I would also agree with you that Batman Forager had the biggest part of the story, right? They end the story. They're the last one. They the biggest like, consequences for the characters. Yeah, the biggest battle taking place in yeah. it. Uh, and then seriously, Magnolia draws a hell of a Batman. He does. I love I love Magnolia's Batman. Yes, I love everybody's very boxy. Everybody's like very like his Superman is super square chested. Um, Batman very kind of like everybody's very boxy because this is early Magnolia. So it's not quite, you know, as sparse as Hellboy is, but you can see some of that early on in his work well, here. Well, well, I want to, I want to save that for there. Cause I got some things about, right, right. I want to talk about on here, but I want to talk about, let's talk about story. Let's talk about Starlin. Cause I think yeah. to, to me, this, and this is kind of the issue I have with some Starlin stuff is uh, Starlin. Of course, you know, he's worked for both, houses he's the guy who created thanos he's the guy who created uh gamora and drax and a lot of that cosmic stuff for marvel and came over and wrote for dc he's responsible for the death of robin and that death in the family storyline he has been in comics for so long that you can really see this book to me represents that gap between pre 1980s comics and 1990s comics the dialogue is so pre the story and the the it gets really close to the introspection is very 90s the some of the issues uh are very 90s but the dialogue itself is so pre like that that old school comic style writing it is I like I mentioned to this you to you in a text that this is one of the most comic booky comic books we've read. Right. It is filled with plot devices. Right. Yes. Like Green Lantern's ring is just a plot device the entire time. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I can use it to see if the what's wrong with these people. Let me scan their bodily functions and see, yeah. you know, what's going on. Oh, they're zombies. Right. Or let me use then, this ring to heal the uh, Batman's wound. Right. Yeah. So there's all of these. There's there. And then like, OK, the doomsday devices on each planet. So such a like such a mcguffin sort of like comic booky thing to do. Right. So you're using this very old school comic book idea, but you're pairing it with these sort of introspective looks at characters that feel much less. 70s era comics, right? Correct. Yeah. And I think that it's really of its time where we're really watching like that, like that, that what becomes the comic industry type of stories in the 90s, uh, where you look, you look at like titles like uh, uh, Gen 13 and Youngbloods. And we have a character in here, Jon Stewart, dealing with contemplating suicide. Right. Right. That's that seems to me like a very 90s, like a character dealing with that. 
right? right. Uh, even some of the things like the new gods, like you were talking almost about the incestuousness of that their dynamics as like family and good and bad right. feels more 90s that you're going to get with some of those image books like Wildcats. Are they good? Are they bad? Um, but there's still enough of that classic stuff in there that I'm constantly being torn in, in both worlds. I think the story here is... I like the 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 epicness of the story condensed into four issues. I think right. that it does feel like an epic story told in four issues. Um, even when the characters have to do that old school way of talking, like, and now I will use my ring. To, they, they have to tell you exactly what they're doing as they're doing it. I'm like, hey, right. hey, hey, Starlin, it's a visual medium. I can see what they're doing. But we had but we hadn't gotten there yet, right? Yeah, like yeah. that that idea of let's tell story through pictures is a very modern comic book yeah. idea, right? We're straddling that line between these two worlds in 1988 because if you think like look at look at what Miller was doing in the 80s, right? Like there's so much dialogue and so much in that book that it's not really until we get to the 2000s that we start going like let's just tell stories without as many words right um but i agree with you it was an epic story told in four books now they're a little oversized um so maybe it maybe it's closer to eight books right Mm -hmm. um but you or maybe six i don't i don't know it feels like it could be a a regular sized arc right like a six issue arc um but it's just like Dr. F- like it is so comic booky. Dr. Yeah. Fate shows the up. The ex machina, AKA Dr. Fate comes in and I'm like, Oh, and fixes it. And you're like, yeah. how does he fix it? Oh, he's got super cosmic powers. And Etrigan you're like, is- no. <laughs> and Etrigan is there. And you're like, how is Etrigan? Well, because he's a, like he's a being of these otherworldly forces. He get, we can use his essence to solve this problem. You're like, okay okay yeah exactly that's where i kind of got a little bit like oh could we be could have been a little bit more clever but uh but again that's very old school comic writing let's let's bring in these characters and then we'll figure out what they do at when we need to um like we like hey let's get this property in here and then i'll I'll make it make sense in some way at the end like dr fate did not need to be in this book no but he needed to make his pentagram with the other like it was a weird thing like okay i get dark side and um and the new genesis the father guy like okay i get them because like they are the creators of these two worlds right so i see how they have some cosmic power but then i go like why is it orion and etrigan what does orion have that that you know what i mean like right he he explains it in the book but i don't know that i buy the explanation Here's what I what I think is uh, done really. What I really liked is about this book. As someone who's uh, first of all um, the the Batman in the uh, the trench coat with the bat cowl underneath it reminds oh, me so, so much of of Raphael in the Ninja Turtles movie, where Raphael has the big trench coat on and he's like yeah. going through stuff. He even had the sewer in there as well. But I think that as it's not a bad introduction to the new gods because they explain how the new gods world came to be. 
uh, how this the anti-life matter is actually one of the forces that kind of created like their worlds and like uh, Apocalypse and New Genesis. And why and they also explain why Apocalypse and New Genesis were cut off from the other galaxies for so long until right. and then they explain about what apocalypse is they grew up with a more savage uh view of the uh, of interaction and new gods right. are more sophisticated and it wasn't until the inventions of the boom tubes uh and, and the mother like that, boxes that's that, so jack kirby it is the most like they make but in this starling does a good job of making that exciting and making that make sense and also condensing it into a way that feels epic and clear to you uh like right. make clear i understood who the new gods were in relation to this universe very easily and i thought that was a really strong piece of the storytelling is i think whether you like the new gods or not uh i think that this story does a very condensed and very straightforward way of making their presence in the dc universe make sense Right. And and then we get like a sprinkling of other characters in here to kind of like go like, hey, remember this guy? We get Adam Strange shows up and like, you know, we had Etrigan before and then they go to uh, Thanagrin, wherever the Hawkeye is from. Right. Yes. So we go yeah, there yeah. and we have that planet. And so you get all of these other sprinkles. So you really do get this sort of like, let's visit as many sort of outside of Earth areas that we can visit in this sort of DC universe um, to kind of give you like an amuse-bouche of like non-Earth characters. I wonder other than the Green Lantern, I wonder how much of DC was, I know this is after Crisis, but I wonder how much DC titles were actually in space other than maybe like Green Lantern and the Green Lantern Corps. I wonder if this is like Starlin, like I wonder if this at the time was a big deal because Oh, we, it's almost takes place like 80 percent of it takes place in space, which is kind well, of yeah, cool. Only, I wonder if it's unique for DC. Only, at the one time. Of the, only one of the stories takes place on Earth. Right. right? Like, yeah. And, and so that's kind of an interesting way to do it. So here's here's let me we didn't do this. Which new God character did you we got your pair? But which new God single character did you think was the most interesting or got fleshed out the most for you? Um. Well, or let me uh, let me press the, one more thing. Yeah, let me ask it this way: Which character would you want to know more about? I think maybe that's a better question. Right. Um, <clears throat> I would say uh, Darkseid. Uh, taking Darkseid off the table because I'm interested in that character. I don't think. I, think I don't think. You can, uh, yeah, I don't think Darkseid. I, I, I think. Uh, I think Orion. Orion to me seems the most interesting, uh, and I and I like actually what you said about him <coughs> being raised kind of this evil DNA, but being raised uh, with some kind of moral compass. And you see the High Father or the High Priest, whatever the guy's name is, uh, trying to kind of give these lessons to Orion as he goes throughout it. In fact, he sends right. him off to like humble him and stuff. Um, and I think that's interesting is someone's, it's, ba it's basically nature versus nurture, right? Uh, that, and that right. character, I think, is a great way to kind of flesh out that philosophy. What has more influence over a person's actions? Their DNA and their internal ancestry of who they are and where they come from, or the environment in which they were raised? And I think Orion would be an interesting character to uh, explore that, although I hate his little surfboard, his little uh, little handy, his little rascal his... <laughs> it is like a but again like here's 
this is so out of like we let Jack Kirby do whatever he did, and Jack Kirby loved weird machines, right? Yeah. He loved to draw weird stuff. So boom, let's just have him draw some weird stuff, right? Like you get this sort of, and that was the thing. Like they let Jack Kirby, like he was like, well, one of the first things they gave him is like he was like, give me the character nobody wants, and so they're like, all right, you get, you get uh, the this book. Um, Wait, uh, super, you get Jimmy Olsen, right? Yeah, he's like, yeah. boom, I got it. I'll do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they let him do all of this other stuff, and he just created so many things. And I don't know, I don't know. They are so. That's why it's the fourth world, right? That that's why it sort of exists in this other plane because it's so separate from the rest of DC. I mean, they show up. Mister Miracle shows up and stuff. He become you know he's in the he's in JLA sometimes. You know he does his thing, uh, but they don't live in the DC world proper. And right. there's a reason for that. They're so yeah. outside yeah. of those things. Now, so what's your favorite? Which which of the new gods in this one? Uh, you have a little more experience than New Gods, so you probably have a, a, an idea of which one you like more. I would agree with you. I think the one that I'd want to I'd want to spend some more time. I think Orion was an interesting one in here, and I think the story behind Forager. I don't know that because that wasn't anything I read when I read New God stuff. So finding out about who are these bug people? He's not really a bug, but why does he live with them? And you know, like that's interesting to me. I I, I find that sort of that sort of thing, something I'd like to find out more about. I got a question for you. I wrote this down because I thought it was a good question. So in this yeah. book, we have the class... I'm smiling because I like this question. Uh, in this book, we have a classic trope of two different teams. Let's divide up the characters, one each, and send them on a mission. So, yeah. Josh, if yeah. we had to break off and do a podcast with a famous podcaster, who would you want to pair up with to create a new podcast. If the comic exposure had to break up and go on separate okay. podcasting missions, which that's a, podcaster? That's, that's a really good question. Uh, Jesse Thorne, uh, he does, um, oh, what's the, he does the one where like he just interviews people and like artists and filmmakers and yeah. musicians. Uh, that would, oh, what the, Bullseye. He does, Bullseye is his podcast. I think I'd pick either Jesse Thorne or Judge John Hodgman. Those those oh, okay, are okay, okay. I, I know Judge I, I don't know Jesse Thorpe. I know John Judge John Judge that, John Hodgman. That's who I'd want to be paired with. How about you, Travis? Who do you want to be paired with? Um, I'm gonna Mark Maron. I was Maron, gonna say I was you... gonna say Mark Maron because uh, <laughs> I, 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 I there are some podcasts that I like, but I want to pick like one of the big guys for the yeah. this one to make it make sense. Uh, I think Mark Maron would be good because I think there's a lot about me that I think Mark Maron would despise. Uh, <laughs> I think especially the love of comic books and uh, science fiction and fantasy. Uh, and so I think that would create some good tension. But I think there's enough on there. Like We both like kind of uh, uh, Burkowski drug idol people. So we have that in common. But we're kind of coming at it from different ways. So I, I, I do uh, Mark Maron. We can just chain smoke all day. Yeah. Suck, yeah, no, suck, I, on, I suck on nicotine lozenges and just like talk to people. I get it. I get it. That might work. I'm just glad you didn't do uh, what's his name, Joe Rogan. Uh, Joe Rogan. That <laughs> podcast over at that point. I'd have called, I'd have called this thing off. Uh, Joe but, Rogan is the Orion of podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> is he good or is he bad? I just don't I mean, know. I don't know. Uh, um, here is here is what I want to know. 
Uh, let's talk art, and then I want to. Then I got a question to wrap us up. Let's talk yeah. art. This is early Magnola. What did you think? What did you like? What it's it's better than House, yeah, but it still feels old school, right? But what did you what it, which which of his characters did you think wowed you? His take he, on he's you he's very on model. There's no doubt yeah. about that. But so. I know what you're talking about. Uh, I would yeah. say the Batman is great. Batman is great. I love his Batman. Um, although what I liked in here is you see those, his inclination to spend so much time on the monsters, the, uh, yeah. what do they call them? Not the death soldiers, but the, um, the acolytes. big ugly, yeah. like the acolytes or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. there's a name for them that I'm, that people are screaming into their, their microphone. Um, no one's right this, Travis. It's fine. Uh, but I think these 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 monsters are like like typical of the new gods. I think they're like a uh, an acolyte of apocalypse. Anyways, uh, yeah, I like the the monster, especially the one that Batman has to that you're dealing with yeah. on earth um, and then forager jumps through it. It's, it's so good that that's such a great panel. Um, I think that that. I love it because it's Magnolia doing monsters. Uh, you know, we've seen that in Hellboy. I, I think that is uh, where one of his unique talents that he might do better than 98% of the other uh, illustrators out there is monsters and how how just cool they are, um, how threatening and yet cartoony still they are uh right. they they're cartoony but sometimes they can be very um threatening still like there's still a sense of like fear that they instill agreed i think uh, and i will agree with you i think his batman is on point he does like and this is for all the characters that are in here for for a guy who you think of now who does very sort of very simple work right when you see the amount of emotion he puts on every character's face throughout this, there are panels where Superman is just emoting or Batman when he, when Batman's getting choked out by that monster, just like the, the range of emotion that he puts on Batman's face. When John Stewart is, you know, contemplating suicide or he's dealing with this fact that he destroyed this entire planet, the facial acting that Mignola is giving these characters is so good and yes. so different from like modern Magnola when you look at what he does with Hellboy. It's straight, it's stripped down now, especially the the newer Hellboys. It's it's just right. he does more with less lines, but here he's really trying to make these characters emote. I think the Martian Manhunter is done really well. His version of Martian Manhunter, you, you, don't, you don't you don't get a lot of variations on that character, but I love the brow and like you said, he makes him emote. Like at the end, you have that key scene where uh, you know he convinces uh, John Stewart to not commit suicide through kind of like a. Uh, reverse psychology way of doing right. it, and he has this smile on his face. It's not human because he's a Martian Manhunter, but it it still emotes exactly what you need to emote in that scene where he's like, "Yes, right. you fell for it." And then I think you also like he also does a um a like all of these characters. Like I said, he does like a really good job. There are some great Supermans in here, and like I said, I love how barrel chested Superman is in this. Uh, it remind it's very sort of like 
that Bruce Tim super cartoony Superman, right. but more but more realistic. You get that giant chest, and there are a couple scenes in here where it's just that black silhouette of Superman with the with the S is the only thing you can see, and I'm like, oh, that's Magnola. There he yeah. is, right? Like he, you can see him experimenting. Well, it's a little with... bit uh, Miller too. Uh, it reminds me right. of some of those scenes in The Dark Knight Returns, uh, where right. you have that uh, reverse exposure kind of thing that's going super, on. That's super. That's super. I, w- heavy I wanted black. there to be more Superman in this book. Honestly, I wish there was more Superman in this because um, I do love the way he's drawn. So I would love to just see him in different, more different scenarios. But you're right; there is a lot. As just flipping through it, there's a lot of that black Superman reversed. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. So here's what I want to know, Travis. Um, overall, how did we didn't really ever say this? So overall, what did you? How did you? Did you enjoy the story? What did you get out of it? Because here's the thing: I'm not I'm not wowed by this. Yeah. Right. This isn't a this isn't like oh my gosh, this is a top tier story. But I think there's something to get out of books like this. So what did you get out of it? What did, what do you walk away with? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not wowed by it. Um, this something, this would have been something, I don't think I would have gotten through this 10 years ago or before we right. started doing this podcast. But uh, you like, again, w- for me, it's this kind of tentpole book that that is really one of maybe like a handful of books that perfectly quantifies that bridge between that classic comic writing and what becomes like that new nineties and 2000. Well, I I guess nineties is its own separate beast. Uh, but yeah, so to me, it exists as this nice piece of history. I also like, like I mentioned before, I think it is a great introduction to the new gods who are the one, the brainchild of maybe the greatest comic contributor of all time jack kirby so even if you're not necessarily a fan of the new god stories like knowing where these characters came from and kind of their ideas is a way of knowing jack kirby better and kind of understanding where kirby's mind comes from yeah which is i mean it, it would be like learning about rock and roll and then completely ignoring elvis presley uh you know um and so I, I liked it from those those standpoints as a bridge between old comic style writing and new comic style writing and as a way to um, showcase and bring into the world uh, a creation that 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 people don't know about, but is very important and is the brainchild of one of the greatest. Yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. I think that this is one of those things where, like I, like I said, I'm not wowed by it, but I find the fun in it, right? I really enjoyed uh, Magnola's artwork. So that in and of itself is a fun piece of history, right? I think it's this the, early, the best thing about the book is the artwork, I think. Right, yeah. this, this early Magnola, this piece of history that you can spend some time with. Uh, and then really, like, it's a it's a jaunty comic book story, right? And if nothing else... The Batman piece of this is a great story. Yes. The Batman part of this, his Batman dialogue, Starlin writes great. Yeah. I'm going to go to one, one piece that I want to, I want to look at. I bookmarked it on here. Uh, Let's see if I can go to it. Um, Let's see. Uh, Go ahead and say, uh, finish your thoughts on it. Cause it's, yeah, no, I just think for me, like he writes great internal Batman dialogue, right? He's very sort of like introspective. So there's one on the back of one of these books. That's the monster dispatches me with a sense of reverence, sending me over to the other side, dispatching me to the realm of 
anti-life. Right? Uh, like, I've, I found mine. Here's mine. It, it t- yeah. This is where Batman's crawling up to stop the monster before he does. The, he goes, it takes every ounce of strength I've got to keep going. I pay a king's ransom in pain for right? every it's inch across the floor so I gain. Right? I pay a king's ransom in pain for every inch across the floor I gain. That it, was the best piece of writing in the book. His When he writes Batman, that is the best the best that he's doing is yeah. that Batman internal dialogue is fantastic. Well, it, it's almost like he's mirroring Miller though. Like in that, like when you write, oh. I think, I think, I think it's hard to write Batman without getting, without, I mean, we, we like, it's like, it's like we talk about doing impressions. Like we're not doing yeah. the, like Batman, we're doing someone's impression of Batman, yeah. you know? And so, but it's great. I mean, it, it's, it's a foundation of that, what Batman sounds like in his head. Right. And and I think like for me, this is one of those books where I enjoy just diving back and reading something short. I didn't have to read a giant 16 issue run of the Justice League. I didn't have to go spend 12 issues with the new gods that also bled into 12 issues of Mr. Miracle, which also you didn't bled have into- to read another Jeff Johns take on a DC superhero. Right. And so for me, this was kind of like a fun way to go back and like go, mm, let's check this out. Right. Yeah. Um, four issues. I a, a, like a quick little adventure with these folks and super comic booky. I don't know who I would hand this to who's not a comic book nerd who doesn't want to who doesn't want to dive in a little backwards. I wouldn't hand this to someone. And I think really that's a lot of what we've done this year is go yeah. like, this is for like, this is just fun to talk about and fun to explore. And I think we're going to do this more because we've done a lot of the critically acclaimed runs where like, no matter what genre this is in, this is good writing and good storytelling. And so now we're kind of picking books to fill in those holes, to look at different eras, and to appreciate that book for what it was in its time. Right. Uh, and I and I think because we have gone through so many of those, like, this is good no matter what uh, books, now we're kind of looking at, let's see why people are talking about this. Let's see why this book was important to comics at the time and looking at it like that. So giving this to someone, it has to be someone who is, you know, kind of like back diving and trying to find the roots of things. And, and, and also a Starlin is a a major voice in comics, whether you like him or not. I'm not a huge Starlin fan of his, of his writing, but he is responsible for some of the, you know, the infinity gauntlet, you know, the, uh, the death of Robin. He is a, he was in, in some ways you could argue still is a major talent and major voice and major composer of comic books and this i think is very starlin right and i think the other side of this too is travis is like i would um i don't know like i said i don't know that i would give it someone but if you're listening to this you're like okay i want to check it out you can get it for dirt cheap on comiXology you can get the single issues don't buy it in kindle don't buy it and don't buy it on amazon don't buy it in one thing yeah. Buy the single issues through because I think that you got the big you probably yeah. have like an essay in there and extra covers and all this <laughs> other stuff that if you just bought it, if you just buy the single issues, they're like two bucks a piece. OK, yeah, you, that's how you, that's how I would do it. Yeah. 
you can buy the single issues and read it. I'm, you know, so that that's one way to kind of explore that. So here's my final question to carry us out, Travis. We haven't done favorite panels yet either. Oh, we haven't. Let's do favorite panels and then let's let's do my question to carry us out. So yeah. what's your what's your favorite panel? I mean, you said it before. It's definitely Forager jumping through the monster's uh, gut. Uh, there are moments, uh, we didn't mention this, there are some really dark moments in here. That At one point, there's a bunch of, like, a dead body, like, hanging from almost like a meat hook in the sewer. If Superman finds it, yeah, or right. no, Batman finds it. There's yeah. the destruction of the Hawk people, uh, they, and then in the most grotesque, Hellboy-esque uh, moment, uh, Forager jumps through the gaping hole that's been in this monster, does like a uh, your son probably knows how to do these gymnastic moves now uh, yeah, right, yeah. right through the belly and it's just like, it's one of those things where I'm stopping and looking at that panel for like four minutes and I'm trying to figure out I'm like, but how does he not hit the spine? How well, that's he not best hit the spine? Like, the spine appears and reappears in that drawing every single time right? Yeah it just keeps showing up. Um, uh, let's see if I can find. Mine is also one of those panels from that last book. Where is it at? Uh, That's the best part. Is that is, is that last scene between Batman and and Forger and the uh, uh, monster? Yeah. Oh no, maybe it's book. Th- it might be book three. Oh no, it is. It, it might be book three. So let me let me check really quick. So there, you know, you've got Batman is going to work against you know. This monster, ah, it's book four. Why am I, why can't I find it? So there's a scene, it's the scene where he's getting choked out by um, the monster. Where, where is it at now? I just can't find, I don't know where it is now. I am, I should have marked it and now I'm just killing time in this podcast, just riffing. No, while, I'm trying to find it. while you're doing that, while you're finding that, uh, I want to remind uh, uh, listeners, actually, it's not remind you, to let you know that I, I had some issues with getting our podcast loaded onto Spotify. I think it was because I was trying to load it from Japan with no VPN. But uh, I finally was able to uh, get our uh, podcast feed onto Spotify. So if you, you know, are, are listening to our podcast through the website because you don't have Apple Podcasts, well, if you have Spotify, you can uh, please, uh, you know, follow the channel. Um, uh, that's always nice to see. And you can see the whole archive on Spotify. It's actually really laid out really even easier to see and read descriptions of each of the podcasts on Spotify more so than uh, Apple Podcasts. But we uh, are, you know, of course, on Google uh, Play and, and those major ones. But one of the holes that we did have on there was Spotify. So for all you comic exposure fans, if you want to listen to us on Spotify, you can now follow us on there. All right, found it. So it's in book four. It's the scene where the big monster is choking him out. And it's really, I'm going (coughs) to, I'm going to, I'm going to shit on the one single panel. And it's this series of him being choked out uh, that I read the back of before where like you see him getting choked out and then it gets blacker with the little red spots around Batman's face. And then it goes all black. I love that little series of mini panels where you see that happen. Uh, that's a really good a good way to do it. So here's my question to close this out, Travis. If you had to put a Justice League together, who are your four DC characters you want in a book together? Okay, I would go... Um, okay, so for my, you gotta have Superman and Batman, I gotta have on there. I love that dynamic between them. That's on there. So now I'm left with two positions. Uh, 
Oh, but then they'll have to be like unmisogynistic and put a woman on there. It's very tough. I like Guy Gardner. I talked about not liking uh, Green Lan- uh, Green Lanterns, but I just like Guy Gardner, the guy, better. I think he provides that attitude. And then that means any, and he also lets you have the humor in there as well. So we have yeah. that. And then I think um, I'm going to go, I kind of want a wild, I guess Guy Gardner is kind of a wild card. Uh, I kind of want the, do I do Flash? Um, um, no, I'm not going to do Flash. I'm going to do, I think I think Wonder Woman. So I'm going to do three of the. the oh, you did the uh, Trinity. Yeah, the yeah. Trinity and the Guy Trinity, Gardner. The Trinity and Guy Gardner. Because I feel like, and but a lot of that is going to be, you have that dynamic between Batman and Superman. You have Wonder Woman, just because I want to see her explored more. Uh, and I want to see her dynamics with the group. And I think Guy Gardner, when you throw that in the mix, is like the freaking chili sauce, like the, the paprika yeah, the, in there the that's going to set it off. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Okay, Who's your so, four? I don't, I think I do one from the Trinity. I think I do Batman. Batman's my one Trinity character. Batman, uh, Black Canary, The Flash, and so Batman, Black Canary, The Flash, and then Mr. So Flash is Flash is kind of your like your uh, comic relief. What Flash? Oh, uh, Barry Allen Flash. That's why I didn't put Flash in mind because there's like so many. It's kind of the Green Lantern too. Yeah, you know. Yeah, Barry Allen. And then I think my last one, uh, 